Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC. Yes, it's Generation BSC, our weekly revisiting of the series of Babysitter's Club books. This week, however, is another one of our emergency meetings in quarantine, where we're checking in on what we think each of the girls in the Babysitter's Club is doing and how they're you know, getting through their days, what, you think, what we think they're focusing on when it comes to school, babysitting, life generally. Um, I, you guys have been with us for the past few. This is obviously our fourth in the you know, quarantine special and emergency meetings. Um, So I guess just to sort of let you all know, Lauren and I have kind of been feeling like we've touched on the Babysitter's Club sort of as a whole. Mm -hmm. And the core four are really the girls that we know the best and have the most distinct personalities. And we feel the most strong about having ideas. So I think, not I think, I know, because we've discussed this, (laughs) we've decided (laughs) that um, this is probably going to be our last specific quarantine revisiting ideas episode for the girls. Um, We're going to talk about Marianne specifically and then at the end touch on, um, you know, any sort of random thoughts, whether it's about Dawn, Jesse, and Mallory or any of the kids they babysit, anything like that. Um, And then going forward, we'll go back to, you know, every two weeks, the regular episodes where we address, address, when we discuss one of the books in the series. And then we'll use emergency meetings like a true emergency meeting when, you know, maybe something happens with the series if we maybe get any new insights, if there's a full trailer, you know, things like that. Or if something happens, you know, Anna Martin releases some big announcement about something. Um, that's what we'll start using emergency meetings for again. But for now, we're talking about Marianne. <laughs> Absolutely. And we reserve the right to um, revisit this idea in the future should quarantine drag on and we get another brilliant idea of... Um, a fun quarantine special for emergency meetings. Uh, we may do that as well. I just, we want to leave the door open to possibility. <laughs> that is a very good point, Lauren, because we cannot predict the future and we can't see what we might come up with, you know, what our great ideas might be regarding emergency meetings. So I guess since I kicked it off last week, why don't you tell me and everyone out there what you think Marianne is doing with herself while she's been in quarantine now that it's been two whole months. <laughs> so I, um, like I said, I have some complicated feelings about Marianne. There was some like jealousy from when I was a kid, um, mixed in with, um, some really extreme fondness because as we've shared, knowing that Kate, you are, a um, a Marianne and Sarah, one of my other best friends and college roommate is, um, has similar qualities to Mary Ann. Um, I feel a deep love and affection for her. And I am nervous for Mary Ann because she is such a feely. I'm genuinely like, I just kept trying to think of what things she's doing. And I'm just, I'm nervous for her because I think she's feeling everything really, really deeply. Um, I think she's crying at like commercials. Um, I think that she is probably, um, of the girls, probably the most worried about, um, the other kids about Stacy, um, about even like I know we we talked about how Claudia is probably very conscious of everything going on with Mimi, but I think Marianne is, if not um, just as if not even more so, nervous for her because she's not you know there every day and does it can't see her and if something happens you know whatever, um, so I think she's probably really on a high emotional level all the time, um, 
so I think she's probably looking for things that are calming, um, things that are reassuring, um, connection with other people, um, things that she can do to help to sort of um, help manage some of that big emotion that's happening. So we talked already about um, how we thought she's leading the charge on the masks. Um, she's probably organizing that. It's got her sewing machine out and going day and night. That way she's feeling productive. I think Marianne is probably um, one of the most common volunteers for Zoom reading time or just one-on-one -on -one chats with some of the kids. I think she's probably spending a lot of time talking to like Charlotte Johansson um, and some of the other more like feely kids because she knows how they're feeling as well. Um, I think that it is probably a little bit rough going with her dad at first um, because like I said she's probably craving a lot of connection and as we know he has really strict rules around um, like how long she's allowed on the phone and when those calls can be um, and I can see how the her technique of talking for 10 minutes hanging up then calling back and talking for 10 minutes hanging up is going to get real old real fast when everybody's trapped in a house together <laughs> um, so there's probably going to be some early friction around those types of rules. Um, I imagine as things um, continue on, he loosens up a bit, much as he does, you know, in the course of the series. So I, I see him, um, you know, starting. But um, I, I think, as we've noted, we are have um, gentler feelings towards him because, as adults, because we can recognize a lot of the, like, trauma and PTSD that led to this extreme strictness with Marianne um, and I think that this is definitely going to be a situation that probably is triggering for him so I can see some of the friction being around him wanting to assert more control at home because there's so much going on outside in the world that he can't control um, so uh, those were kind of like my big pictures I got a little bit more philosophical with Marianne than I did with any like specifics I did note that she's probably watching a lot of scary movies since we know that she she likes those which again baffling but canonically <laughs> canonically she does so um i can see her like um doing like a netflix uh house party hangout type thing where she's you know chatting with the girls and watching movies trying to replicate sleepovers to the best of their ability um and and doing stuff like that probably reading a fair bit as well um I think she was very conscientious about the schoolwork, um, you know, very, uh, probably gets it done out of the way first, um, not like out of excitement or an eagerness to, you know, really dig into anything, but I, I'm sure that that's probably very strictly monitored by her dad. Um, uh, yeah, I'm looking over, I, I think I hit the big points. What about you? Are you um, mostly in agreement or are we... I think yeah, pretty pretty similar. I'm I'm just to sort of not copy, not or not copy, not repeat everything. I'm just going to yeah. say on the emotional front, co-sign everything that you said. That's like 100% what I was feeling. Definitely super emotional all the time. So I'll just jump over that cuz I don't need to say the yeah. same thing you just said. Um I think that she and her dad have like a very strict, maybe not strict, but sort of regimented schedule for weekdays versus mm -hmm. weekends. And I think, yep. so I think that, you know, they both, as this sort of started to drag out, I think, I think each day they were making a schedule. And then once it became very clear that this was a, a going to be an extended period, it was sort of like, okay, well, this is what every week is going to look like. And maybe the specifics of each individual day gets a little bit adjusted. And I think for that reason, her dad was pretty quick to be 
okay with her being on the computer, on the phone for more than Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. I think my guess is, not my guess, my feeling is that Marianne would have a very specific schedule of like, okay, you know, 9 to 11, I work on schoolwork, 11 to 11.30, I, you know, have a call with the Perkinses, or actually not the Perkinses, because the Perkinses she'd be talking to out of her window into Mariah's bedroom. (laughs) But all the other kids, you know, she'd have a very specific like, okay, this is what I'm doing for this period, then we eat lunch, then I work on masks for an hour, then I have, you know, tea with Mimi over Zoom, Um, then I, you know, watch a movie with Dawn over um, Netflix Hangouts. You know, I I think that she has a very specific schedule. And part of the, you know, the thing that you said to try to, like, distract herself from feeling all the things, she's like, okay, if I have something to do all the time, I don't have to think about that or not necessarily not think about it, but it won't be the forefront of my mind. It'll just sort of be in the back. Obviously, she's feeling everything, but it's not – she won't let herself get wrapped up in those emotions and get bogged down in those. She she's, wants to be as proactive as possible, and by scheduling out every single day, she knows that she's going to get as much done, fit in as much, talk to as many people, do as many things as she can, and not sort of wallow in the helplessness that we're all feeling when it comes to a lot of the things that are happening right now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that she and Logan are probably – zooming a lot and she's being Mm -hmm. extremely clingy particularly after the last book that we just read um i think she's relying on him a lot to help sort of carry that emotional burden and i feel like logan as much as we maybe sort of ragged on him in the last book i do think he's a support system for marianne and i think that i agree i think that she needs that especially because like you said her dad is a little bit on the stricter side, maybe not as emotionally supportive or as emotionally present as she would want, knowing knowing what we know about Marianne and how emotional she is. Um, I think that she has a tough time with her dad because he's not, at least not on the surface, as, an emo- as emotional as she is. And I think that that's difficult for her. So I think that mm-hmm. Logan and the rest of the Babysitter's Club and Mimi probably in particular are sort of helping her get through the emotional piece of things just because she can't really rely on her dad in that way necessarily um i fully agree with that by the way i um i did very intentionally just sort of gloss over logan because i was so (laughs) so so annoyed with him from last book that i was like ugh, i don't even want to get into it but yes i'm sure he's being a very sweet and considerate boyfriend if not slightly condescending about um i'm sure science or something you know well marianne science shows us that we don't really have anything to fear not in like a denier way just in a he thinks trying to rely yeah trying to yeah to calm her and give her something that she can rely on and not be overly but comes across yeah right but yeah sort of it comes across sort of mansplaining and maybe not what we want for our marianne but exactly logan's what she's got so we've we've got to go with what he's giving (laughs) um what else i think that I think Marianne is definitely wearing, like, real clothes every day, probably even, like, mm-hmm. shoes on in the house, you know, like, you know, because, like, some people when they work from home, and this is, you know, going back before we were all quarantined and, you know, shelter in place and all that, like, there are some people that when they're working from home, they have to put on, you know, real clothes, quote unquote, and sometimes even shoes, like, I was never that kind of person. Like working from home was always my favorite things. It was like, okay, what leggings and sweatshirt am I going to wear today? So like I'm all, I'm good. I can be, I I am even more productive when I work from home, which is, you know, good given what's been happening lately. But um, (laughs) yeah, people that like have to get dressed, put on real clothes. I'm always like, but 
but it's so much more comfortable to not. But I, but I, like I objectively, I understand that people need to get mm-hmm. in that like, okay, I'm working now, and like, whereas I'm just like, I'll, I'll work wherever, I'll work wearing whatever I have on, or I'll put on comfy clothes. Like it, it's not a thing. But I feel like Marianne and her dad in particular would be very much like. Today is a school day, a work day. Like, you, we have to get dressed. We have to, you know, have the breakfast that we always do and, like, go to their separate workstations as if they're, like, leaving to go to work and school and, you know, meet up for lunch and, you know, have their sort of, like, catch-up, check-in. Like, oh, what, what did you do this morning, Marianne? Oh, well, I, you know, had a Zoom call with Charlotte Johansson and then I made 500 masks. What did you do, Dad? Oh, well, I, you know, negotiated a contract. Oh, how interesting. <laughs> You know what? It's so funny. I didn't even really think about it that way. But the the more you're talking, the more I really love the idea that they did get like a very strict schedule and are trying to keep things as normal as humanly possible Mm -hmm. on every level. That makes so much sense to me. I didn't think about it that way. But I'm like, duh, of course, that's what they're doing. They're just trying to like, not ostrich so much, like ignore what's going on, but like do their absolute best to maintain as much mm-hmm. normalcy as humanly possible um, in in a really non-normal situation. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that Marianne is definitely – and I don't know if this is something that I got from actually reading the books or if I just decided that this was a character trait of Marianne. I think that Marianne likes to bake and wants to bake but is not very good at it. And so she's using this as an opportunity to like – learn and try so like I feel like she's one of the people that's like I'm gonna make a sourdough starter I'm gonna make bread I'm gonna learn how to you know frost a cake perfectly and I I just feel that for Marion which is sort of interesting that I went that way because I not to you know toot my own horn I actually am a very good baker (laughs) and so I think it's very funny that in my brain Marianne is not a good baker but wants to be whereas I not humbly say I am a good baker (laughs) Aside from pies, I will fully admit I cannot make a pie. <laughs> um, were you a good baker as a kid? Um, I was pretty good. I feel like when I was a kid, I didn't do a lot of like recipes, aside from maybe like chocolate chip cookies, sugar cookies, like that sort of thing, like sort of the the base level recipes. And like I'd use like box mixes and like I'm, I was always good at that. I was not good right. at getting a cake cool enough before I frosted it. And gotcha. Had some some mishaps with that <laughs> when I was oh, growing I, up. Yes, you know I where, where the the whole top <laughs> of the cake just gets sort of like scraped off and mixed into the frosting. It still tastes delicious, but it looks terrible. Um, so that yeah, that was that was not my forte. The and as I've gotten older, obviously I I do more you know recipes from scratch and. Most of the time I'm successful, aside from pies. I just can't do pies. (laughs) I was just curious because I wondered if that, like, had colored your view of Marianne. If maybe, like, because you weren't as good of it younger uh, and grew into it. Um, Because, uh, well, I'll wait till you finish, but... um, I, I had a, I did have a thought about Marianne and baking, um, but it was kind of a larger one. So I'll let you finish and then I'll circle back to that. Um, yeah, I think the only other thing that I had was I think that Marianne is doing, and it's sort of in line with what you were saying, I think that she's sort of working her way through series, whether it's books or TV shows or, you know, movies. So like one thing was like, I think that she's probably like, reading each Harry Potter book and then watching each Harry Potter movie or like, you know, reading all of like the Anne of Green Gables series or like 
all of the like Louisa May Alcott books or, you know, picking like, or I'm going to read every like Caldecott medal winner, like something like that. I feel like that's something Marianne would do is like, this is another thing I can like focus my time on. So I'm going to sort of start at the beginning of something and work my way through a list, whether it's because it's a series or they're all in a category or, you know, something like that. So that, that was my last thought on sort of a not actively doing something activity, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love, actually, I love that too. The idea that um, she would approach it as a, like a a list to, you know, um, there'd be some satisfaction in being able to like cross off. I've Mm -hmm. seen that episode, finish that season, finish that series or whatever. Um, I like that too. That's really cool. Um, I love that even, this is one of my favorite things about getting to have these conversations with you and why I was so excited to, to start this podcast in the first place is because even when we fundamentally agree we often come at it from slightly different ways Mm -hmm. and get different perspectives and i I just i I love getting that from you so seconded i agree (laughs) right there there. with you got got a little sappy um but actually so i'm glad that um that it's perfect timing for the transition because um the, the the marianne baking thing was part of my um like sort of stray thoughts and observations so as Kate mentioned in the beginning, um, we when we first started talking about doing these quarantine mini episodes, um, emergency meetings, we were like, oh, we could go on for years. There's every character we could talk about. Um, and uh, we realized pretty quickly that was A, overly ambitious, and B, um, we are obviously starting to sort of repeat ourselves on a, on a number of things. Um, so past the core four um, – we didn't there's not a ton to say not worth a whole episode but we do have thought about a number of things as we've been talking about them that didn't quite fit and so we thought that this would be the good place and one of the things that i was thinking about is so we've been talking about the girls as we've mentioned where they are in where we read the books but i was just curious what did you think like the grown-up versions of the girls are doing in quarantine um is it significantly different is it i i I think it's largely the same Mm -hmm. but um like i was i had adult marianne getting really into baking i can see like that being a big thing for her as a grown-up i didn't see it as much as a kid just in terms of like access and the precision and using the stove and you know being um with her dad potentially working there um i i wasn't sure how like logistically that was gonna Mm -hmm. be practical but i can absolutely see adult marianne doing that um or like adult stacy um doing um like meeting with lifestyle clients over zoom or like you know doing closet uh reorgs for people over facetime calls like that kind of thing um we have not talked about this ahead of time so i know i'm putting (laughs) you on the spot um but it was just one of my like random stray thoughts i had other than marianne baking i didn't really come up with anything it was just huh i wonder what the girls would be doing if they were our age Mm -hmm. you know now yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I definitely think you're probably right on the Marianne front, as, especially, I mean, as much as I do think that she's probably doing some baking, I think once she's an adult and has, like you said, access to everything and isn't interrupting her dad by, you know, baking and taking over the kitchen, I think that's definitely something she would be doing even more. I feel like depending on where she lives, I feel like Marianne would get into gardening. Like if, if she was living Ooh, somewhere with like a yard, um, I think mm-hmm. that she would be very into gardening. Um, what else? I feel like Claudia would probably 
and I, I feel like it's always hard talking about the the girls as like the grown up versions of themselves because like we just sort of automatically assume like they're basically the same as when they were a kid, Which, you know, like exactly, that's yeah. so like my brain is going to like, well, Claudia is probably like taking commissions over like Etsy or, you know, directly through whatever gallery she's at to like do projects for people to, you know, they're, or she's like helping decorate their houses or, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's sort of like funny to think of them as adults because it's like, well, obviously Claudia is still doing art and, you know, exactly. Christy's clearly some sort of like businesswoman and Marianne's probably like, a librarian that likes baking and like Stacy's probably a lifestyle influencer or like a personal shopper type person and like mm-hmm. Dawn's probably still and like this is maybe a little extrapolation from what we know about her in the new series but like she's probably doing some sort of like activism related to you know environmentalism and you know right and like so specifically here like she's probably doing a lot of like activism related to um you know shelter in place and you know personal protective equipment that sort of stuff so it's like it's sort of funny to think about like you know like we're we're making these assumptions about where they are as adults and really it's like if you went back to like 13 year old kate and tried to like (laughs) guess what she's doing i don't i don't know that I mean, although now that I'm saying this, like, you probably would have gotten pretty close, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what, what, what was, what would 13 year old Kate extrapolate to be doing in quarantine as an adult? Um, okay. So I either was going to be an attorney or a librarian check, got that <laughs> working as an attorney, you know, doing random like craft projects around the house and baking check. Like, <laughs> yep. so I, I guess Fair. now it's kind of funny that I'm like, oh no, that's so crazy Maybe that not we just talk like, yourself out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why would we just assume that we can figure out what they would be doing as adults? But it's like, oh no, that it, it's not exact, but like, we're not totally off. <laughs> I was going to say, I started thinking about it, and I'm not far off from how I think my 13-year-old self would be handling this, mm-hmm. um, even though I do feel like a totally different person. And right. um, I, I've been, you know, like many people doing some quarantine cleaning and, um, oh, I've run across some really cringy, really cringy journals. Oh, boy. Burn them in the fire. Never need to see that again. Well, but um, you did come across the most amazing yes. thing in a box or wherever you found it, which I think we yes. talked about in like our first episode. So you need to tell everyone what you sent me a picture of yesterday and everyone you're going to see a picture of this as soon as we can figure out the best way to put it on social media. Cause it's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, the, we need to figure out how to make it look readable because it's old and faded and all black and white. But I found um, one of my original Babysitter's Club flyers from when I started the club at age 11. Um, it, it's got all of our names listed on there. And I very proudly has I'm CPR certified. <laughs> <laughs> um, we even listed that we're mother's helpers because we knew we were too young to babysit at the time. Yeah. By the time I actually started actually getting babysitting jobs, the club was long over. Um, but uh it was so funny. I could, I screamed when I found it. I was so excited. Um, it is, uh, and I, I was completely shameless, just full on copy and pasted the, the cover. Just. Yeah, I um, did. I, I think I even commented that when you texted it to me, it's like, yep. it, she just took the, the logo of the babysitter's club. So the club is the babysitter's club. The, the logo is the babysitter's club logo. <laughs> Like, just so, right smack dab in the middle. Like, we're the Babysitter's Club. We totally came up with this. 
there is no there is no indication it like it is a direct ripoff of Christie's flyer like to a T and there is no indication that um, anyone other than myself came up with this I fully <laughs> just was like good idea thank you like I um, had my so, own great idea <laughs> I haven't even told you the best part about this whole thing the flyer is actually printed on our custom letterhead that I made by carrying one of the books to the library and like covering everything but the uh, logo of the babysitters club and <laughs> making a bunch of copies with that at the top of the page oh my so um <laughs> uh yeah that was i have to admit i have to say that was pretty genius for an 11 year old that was uh, i'm impressed mean, i'm very copyright impressed. infringement but um i mean you know yeah but like the likelihood that they would have come after you is pretty slim since most people don't really enforce those rights unless they're, like, going to lose money from it. So I don't think Anna yep. Martin and Scholastic were, like, shaking in their boots. Yeah, they were, They were. trust me, um, in no danger. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, oh, but gosh, it was just too, too funny. But yeah, um, so I think that nothing could be a better example of how as much as things change, so do they stay the same <laughs> as here I am uh, a full 24 years later. <laughs> Right, still talking about Babysitters Club. Um, weirdly enough, I think I'm more like my like 11 to 13 year old self than I am like my 16 to 19 year old self. Yeah, huh. I'd probably agree with that about myself as well. That's that's fascinating. I, I'm sure there's something there that that's a whole other conversation when we can finally get to see each other in person and drink some wine and get all deep and talk about how much we love each other again. Support that. <laughs> whenever we're um, able to do that <laughs> someday <laughs> yes one day um okay so other random thoughts did you have anything that like anybody that you thought of in particular what they were doing um so i think that dawn is forcing her mom into as much of a schedule as she can and like mm -hmm. i think that dawn is very stressed out i mean we already know that she's stressed out by the way that her mom is but i feel like she particularly since jeff isn't around and it's just dawn and her mom i think that she is taking a lot of the responsibility on herself to mm -hmm. make sure that her mom is following the rules and you know taking a mask and several you know she probably like has stuck masks like in multiple places in her car in all of her purses in all of her pockets so that if her mom has to go to the store she's not like caught unawares and like oh no i don't have a mask because i feel like yeah. dawn is probably hyper vigilant about that stuff and knows how forgetful her mom is and absent-minded she is so she's like sort of again disappointingly being stuck with being the adult in that relationship to a certain degree so I, that was yeah. that was sort of my big takeaway on dawn is like Me she's too. she's trying to deal with her mom she's probably talking to jeff a lot on the phone too i thought just like yeah i honestly i thought i think one of the reasons that i didn't want to do a whole episode on dawn is because i was just like man it's just gonna be bummer yeah. top to bottom <laughs> yeah like jeff jeff just left her mom is not equipped to deal with things when they're normal. So add, she's chaos in normal times. So add outside chaos on top of that. She's probably really stressed out. She's probably really missing Jeff. She, that's That's been obviously incredibly traumatic for her. Um, you know, like Stacy's parents are probably flicking, freaking out. And we said that there's probably a high level tension there too, but mm -hmm. at least they're together um, at this point in the series. At, at right now, John, Dawn is really the only one, um, like even the fear over Mimi, they're still with her every day. Right. Um, Dawn, Dawn's really the only one who has like significant close family that she is not 
there with in right. um, isolation. So I was like, ooh, I don't really want to spend a whole episode talking about how depressing that situation's going to be. So basically, yeah, those were my big, big dawn thoughts. I think she's probably doing her best to, to manage it and, and keep her head above water. I think she's uh, very strong and resilient, um, but not not a headspace I want to spend a lot of time talking yeah. about. On a, an upper note for Dawn, I think she's using the sort of downtime or non-face-to-face time to do a lot of research on the history of her house and on Stony Brook. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's like a deep dive that she's taking the time. You know, Now that she has sort of a bunch of free time, I think that she's taking advantage of every resource available on the internet and that she can to try to learn as much as she can. Yep, I agree. I had um, like folklore um, mm-hmm. or like scary stories to tell in the dark. I had her like researching those. I was kind of thinking of her like, ooh, she found out because um, we just learned about old man Hickory's grave, this one. I thought she was going to be like, ooh, who is old man Hickory? Mm-hmm. What is this about? And like starting to go into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Jesse and Mallory, I thought Jesse is probably ba- practicing a lot of ballet and Mallory is writing a lot of stories. <laughs> Like, because that's what we know about <laughs> them this, so thing. far. Well, as you've pointed um, out, that we only have one book with each of them as the yeah. narrator, so it's it's difficult for us to have quite a well-rounded <laughs> view of either of those girls. Yeah, um, as much as uh, I have zero desire to see any of this play out in media, it would be kind of interesting to um, circle back to some of the character, like Jesse and Mallory, in a year if we see, you know, like would we uh it would we have anything else to say about them or Mm -hmm. is that is that still all we know but yeah i I just pretty one note as far as as those things go i i do think that one sort of interesting thing to consider with mallory is you know she has this huge family she shares Mm -hmm. a bedroom with vanessa so it's like is she spending most of her time trying to get away from the rest of her family because she needs alone time? Is she sort of leaning into having this big support system around her? I think it's maybe a little bit of both, but, like, I feel yeah. like comparing Mallory's situation with, like, Dawn's situation, for example, or even Marianne's situation, it's like she's got people all around her who maybe are, like, helping take some of the the burden of, like, worrying about things or having to do things to – I don't even know. <laughs> I just think- I know what you mean. I there's it, it's definitely the flip side of like as much as I've been bitching about being stuck alone, um, people have very validly bitched about being stuck in a house mm-hmm. um, with their loved ones <laughs> with right. no place to go. Um, like Although we know that Mallory's valid. family has a grand piano, so their house is probably pretty huge, despite the fact yep. that she has to, you know, that there are siblings to sharing bedrooms. There's probably there's probably enough space that they can all separate as need be, Yeah, I would hope. And I sort of, I took it more as um, at least part of the bedroom sharing is intentional, because they do have like a playroom, and then they yeah. mentioned another room. So I, I think that they might expand out rooms as they got as they get older. Mallory, That's a good point. I want to say I vaguely recall that there's a plot line that like Mallory gets her own room. I think I think you're right. That's like ringing a bell, but I I could just be making that up. <laughs> yep, could be making it up, but I want to say that because I, I you know what that's a good point, and I think Mallory is a little um I don't I don't want to say she's manic, but I think she probably is like doing her best and wants to help and wants to be all the best and like I think she's trying to 
tamp down her annoyment so much that it's going to eventually explode and she'll probably need, I don't know, anywhere from an hour to a day to, like, avoid everybody and mm-hmm. reset and then is back to, like, okay, I got it. So I yeah. think she... I think I get what it's more, it's probably more of a little bit of a martyr complex. She's got, kind of got that going on. The, um, how superior I am for taking care of everybody. Right. And then getting resentful that everybody doesn't recognize her superiority for taking care of them all. Because they didn't ask her to. perfect. I totally agree with that assessment of Mallory. So, um, I, I, I thought a little bit about the kids. Like, we've talked about Charlotte Johansson. Um, I think that poor Jackie's parents are probably, like, beside themselves yes. with the kid who injures themselves every two minutes um it, like talk about a state of constant vigilance and stress <laughs> would I be feel exhausting like with the radowskis jackie in particular i feel like maybe like logan is doing like zoom babysitting with them because i feel I can like see that i feel like there's a good connection between logan and jackie in particular i know we haven't really seen much of um archie and shay which are jackie's brothers but i feel like logan has some sort of like connection with him so i feel like he might be able to help alleviate some of the walking disasterness at least for you know an hour every afternoon or you know here and there um yep i would hope <laughs> I, ho- I hope so. Because, yeah, I, I don't know what the Radowskis are doing with themselves right now. <laughs> yeah, like, overall, I was like, eh, there's not really much interesting to say about any of the other kids. Yeah. Because they're basically ciphers that are there to teach the kids, a, the babysitters a lesson. Exactly. But, but oh, boy, the Radowski house is one I'm very glad to not be in <laughs> for, Same. For, for this. I think that might be my least favorite. Uh, or my least desired place to stay if yeah. I had to pick Agreed. where in Stony Book I would isolate. That would be pretty close to the bottom. That would that would probably be last. <laughs> um, who would you want to? If you could choose, who who would you want to join? Um, I feel like if I'm trying, I'm I'm just gonna because I'm making the decision right now and don't have time to think about it. Um, I'm just gonna try to choose from like the Babysitters Club girls, and I think yeah. I would choose Claudia because. She's got all the snacks and the Nancy Drew books, and we can do crafts together. <laughs> um, and so funny, I would probably go with either Christy or Claudia. I think that Claudia, I might get a little um, annoyed with Janine and want to tear my hair out. Um, and Christy's, there's more space. I'm pretty sure there's a place I could hide when I got annoyed with people. That's true. Um, you could go up to the attic with old Ben Brewer's ghost. <laughs> Exactly. Um, they pr- And they've probably got the fastest Wi-Fi and, like, a theater room and, like, That's access true. to everything. There's their big backyard and um, just – I think there's just more to do at, at the Brewers. Um, but I think I would like to be with Claudia's family more, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, with Claudia and, like, yeah. Um, I guess my only other big random thought was, how do you think Stony Brook overall is handling it? Do you think that they're, like, early adopters on lockdown? Do you think that they're the ones having, like, protests? Uh, what do you I, – I, I don't know how hippie and liberal I think Stony Brook is. I think, at least based on the – I mean, it's hard because based on, the, like, the families that we know from reading these books – like, they all seem, to me at least, like, pretty liberal and, like... I That's how I view it, too. ...not conservative. But then there's all the, like, racist assholes that are 
shunning mm-hmm. J- Jesse's family. So it's like, I feel like maybe it's sort of like a combination. Like there are people that are very, like, like I said, they're very vigilant. They're very, um, you know, following all the rules, doing what they can, only going out for essential trips. But then I'm, I'm guessing, and I feel like this is probably sort of the way it is in, I don't know if a lot is the right word, but like when I go to the grocery store lately, the last like week or two, which actually I haven't even gone because I make Jeff go. So there's only one person really leaving the house ever. Um, like there are people just like not wearing masks and like Mm-hmm. being dicks and like not observing the like six feet rule and like so it feels to me based on sort of I guess secondhand knowledge since it's not me actually there like there are definitely people that are like following the rules and like this is what we have to do to keep people healthy and safe and get through this and then there are the people that are like I want to do what I want to do and you can't tell me not that I have to wear a mask or stay away from people like I'm going to stand where I'm going to stand I'm going to go on a patio and fill it up because the bars are finally open and not even pay attention to like the rules. And uh, we're, <laughs> we're yeah. going to try to avoid this kind of conversation, but I feel like that's sort of how I feel about Stony Brook. I think that there are the people that are following the rules and they're the people that are being assholes. Uh, yeah. I think um, I see Stony Brook as a small affluent town. And mm-hmm. if we're talking in the, in the eighties at the time of, uh, of the books, uh, late 80s, early 90s, I'm guessing it is largely white. Yeah. Um, and probably more conservative. Um, my guess is this close to New York City in the ensuing 20 years, it has probably um, gotten a little uh, younger, a little hipper. Because it, it's a lot, it sounds like it's a lot of young families already. Mm-hmm. So maybe not got younger, but like um, became a little bit more liberal as the young families stayed there. So if it's, if it stayed young, it could have grown. Yeah. You know, if nobody moves there. But, um, I don't know. I like to believe that Stony Brook has continued to evolve. Um, and it's probably, uh, if we're talking now, um, a little bit more left leaning, but it probably does still have a pretty significant, um, conservative faction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably, especially with the amount of money there, I think that that's a contributing factor. Um, I think that they're close enough to New York that they're cognizant of that hot spot. Um, so I think that the town government is probably being more cautious on the, on the cautious side. Um, but I think that there probably is a pretty vocal, um, dissenting viewpoint that is largely, I, I, I think it's less, um, there's probably a lot of entitlement, Mm -hmm. but I think basically everyone we've met from this town seems like educated and articulate Mm -hmm. and like able to express themselves well. So I don't see a lot of like, um, overtly racist signs and like ridiculous displays. I, I'm envisioning a lot more like, um, measured, well-meaning, um, reopen the economy um, arguments rather than like taking their Uzi into subway to right. show that they're not scared of the flu, whatever the, they think they're saying it with that. So I think, I think it's, yeah, I think it's definitely a mixture of people who are like everywhere. Like you said, yeah. Mm-hmm. People who are taking it seriously, people who are not to what level, whatever your viewpoint on that is. Yeah. And um, yes, I would say it's about 60% of the people want, um, firmer guidelines stricter lockdown guidelines and protocols and 40 percent of the population wants to open up more quickly is how i sort of yeah i think that 
makes um, sense. I to be honest, a lot of these, especially in this random thoughts, I'm talking through this with you as we're doing it. Like <laughs> they were, they were not like fully formed opinions. It was just like questions that popped up as I was thinking about other, you know, mm-hmm. the other girls. What do I think about this? What do you think about yeah. that? So that makes um, sense. I did have one other thing that I actually did write down. Okay, great. Um, I think that Cokie Mason. <laughs> is trolling <laughs> all of the girls on their Instagrams, oh. but that she has a Finsta that she, like, loves them and, like, leaves oh. glowing comments and, like, likes everything, especially Claudia and Stacey. I think that I think that she, like, wants to be like them and mm-hmm. wants to be stylish, and so she, like, it's, like, a little bit of, like, the jealousy thing. Like, she hates them, but it's not, she doesn't actually hate them. She just, like, she wants to be like them and wants them to be her friends, but they're, like, too cool for school, as we pointed out in the last book. Like, they're their own clique and she you know has her own friends but like she kind of wants to be friends with them too yeah i i was thinking more about this clique conversation that we had last week and um i was deciding did i think that they were like the popular girls because we were talking about like mean girl thing Mm -hmm. but we didn't really talk about popularity and i don't think that they're the like quote-unquote popular click but they're definitely like the cool mysterious click like there's always sort of that one click of people who are sort of above Mm -hmm. the um you know captain of the football team um head cheerleader prom king prom queen version of popularity right uh that is i don't even know if that still exists anymore i i mean uh 21 jump street is now (laughs) 10 years 10 years old and I'm sure high school has since changed again, but, um, and middle school even more so, but, um, just, I think that's interesting. I think you're right. I definitely, I think she's, um, definitely messing with them as much as possible, but it is purely coming from a, like, envy place. I Mm -hmm. wish I could be as cool as you. Yeah. Uh, Um, my only other little random thought wasn't so much about quarantine, but it is a follow-up to last week, um, when I mused on um babysitter's club fan fiction oh i googled it and it exists there is a lot of it um <laughs> uh really i i from i just did a I quick like scrolled through see what some of the things are lots of crossover um like they appear in other things some really interesting ones um supernatural was not a, a thing that would um easily spring to mind but there was definitely one where like the brothers come to stony brook for on a monster hunt which i thought oh, was i was like okay that actually makes total sense um but there's a ton of stuff out there so if you're curious definitely check it out but uh i just wanted to bring it up because there was a surprising amount a- at least to me of um marianne stacy shipping fix really um about their um summers in ocean city as mother's helpers together (laughs) interesting um, becoming and even um even the ones where it wasn't um uh, romantic yeah it was um that they develop a much strong like i read i read a summary of one that was uh, like a future fic um very similar to the if you read the sweet valley confidential um did did you read that one where like Mm -mm. 20 years later jessica and elizabeth came back and Jessica ends up with Todd, which, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was never um, a huge um, uh, Sweet Valley Sweet Valley person. I read probably uh, like two of them. I graduated from Babysitters Club to Sweet Valley, and I was in uh, 
Sweet Valley for a while because there was the Sweet Valley High and then mm-hmm. it moved on to Sweet Valley University. And I'll tell you what, when I was in junior high to like freshman, sophomore year of high school, Sweet Valley University is where it was at because there was drugs and sex <laughs> and like murder and stuff. And I really thought, oh boy, when I get to college, it is all happening. Basically, Sweet Valley University is Riverdale. But less, like not near, not quite as cracked out. But now that I'm thinking about it, oh man, I want to revisit those. But anyway, um, <laughs> total sidetrack. The point is, in the future fic, um, there were a couple of them that had Stacy and Marianne growing much uh, closer as they got older, and like Christy was felt like left out and jealous. I had not given too much thought to that pairing beyond that one. The one book mm-hmm. which was really just Stacy being an asshole to Marianne the whole time <laughs> right so, so I wasn't I was not envisioning a sweet romantic connection blossoming between those two while Marianne was like I'm gonna murder her in her sleep if she doesn't <laughs> stop talking about this lifeguard well good to know hopefully we can figure out what's which of the fanfics are good and more worthy of our time Oh, but that's half the fun is reading the real bad ones. <laughs> that's true. Well, if we as we get into those, if we find any good ones, we'll share those all with everybody so you guys can partake as well. Or if you find good ones because now say, you're inspired yeah. to seek it out because Lauren has confirmed that it exists, please tell us what you read that you love either because it's so good it's good or it's so bad it's good or just, you know, generally. <laughs> we want to hear about it. By the way, we are still bored, and I do love fan fiction. Um, so if you have other fan fiction that you have read and that you think I would enjoy, feel free to send that my way, too. <laughs> um, whether or not it's Babysitter's Club, I'm, I'm into it. I, I just, I love that idea of, um, you know, like we talked about last week, the seeing things from different characters' mm-hmm. perspectives and getting different. The idea of playing in that world is, is fun, um, even when it's, there's some there's some doozies out there but then every once in a while there's some that are really really incredible yeah um all right well i think that's the end of what i got um, uh that's everything i've got as well all right so then i will wrap things up by reminding you to send those fanfic recommendations <laughs> and any other thoughts um if you agree or disagree or um are especially if you're thinking about something that we hadn't discussed for our quarantine specials um shoot us a line you can reach us on insta at generation bsc or our email at generation at gmail.com Oop, nope not generation bsc.com <laughs> let's try that again generation bsc at gmail.com um and we look forward to hearing from you there. Uh, also, if you are so inclined, if you could jump over to iTunes and rate, uh, review, and subscribe um, and encourage your friends to do the same, that would be awesome. Yeah. And again, even though we're not doing the you know biweekly quarantine emergency meetings, I'm sure we'll be back with emergency meetings at some point. And For sure. We're Stay still tuned. here to talk about the Babysitter's Club with you uh, every other week and like Lauren just said, we're we're available on all of the various platforms to chat further, which we love and look forward to opportunities to do so. So with that, uh, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And with that, this emergency meeting episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your friends.